Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back or here for the first time, if you're listening to this, on the No Ceilings podcast feed. Uh, It is the Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It's the Draft Act, NBA Draft podcast coming at you debut episode on the no ceilings feed what a week that we have had we are super excited to be here my name is Corey Tullaba and I am here as always with my co-host Albert garbage time Gim Albert what's going on brother what's going on everybody um for yeah I mean usually Usually, I mean, Corey and I, we like to consider ourselves professional podcasters. Usually I have a rig that's holding my mic, but I guess wanting to be cool with this new stream, I'm holding my mic today. I've been told that this is uh, an aesthetic of some sort. Um, I'm definitely, that's definitely not the reason why I'm doing it because like, I have computer issues or whatever, but it's great to be here. It's really great to be a part of the No Ceilings Podcast Network. I, actually, we always have been, right? But we're on the, the stream or the feed now, which is cool. And uh, if you've been rocking with us for a while, welcome back. And uh, if it's your first time joining with joining us, then hello. Hello is <laughs> is right. Um, you are gonna quickly realize that we are clown people, but uh, you're also gonna enjoy it because um, we are going to kick off our debut episode on the feed with a bang, um, covering one of our our favorite prospects. Um, as I down my Starbucks. Um, cold brew and try to recover from my what would have been an hour and a half flight at seven o'clock in the morning which ended up being delayed by about three hours and then a one hour and a half ride back from LaGuardia uh dear god getting back from my trip to the overtime elite pro day this week which was uh, a good time but we are covering today on the draft deck NBA draft podcast Brandon Miller the Alabama forward um, who we are very excited about at No Ceilings. He is 19 years old, going to be uh, 20 on draft night. He's listed at six foot nine, 200 pounds. Um, looks like he's got a good wingspan. Could not find it anywhere on the internet. He is a two-time Gatorade Player of the Year for the state of Tennessee. Uh, his senior year, he averaged 26.2 points per game, 7.9 rebounds, 2.4 assists, and two steals. He was also a McDonald's All-American. Um, let's get into some preseason stock prices around the internet. ESPN has him currently at 19. Um, our friends at SB Nation, shout out to Ricky, has him at 16. Bleacher Report has him at 7. 
basketball news at 17 tankathon at 19 the athletic um did not have him ranked on their preseason board so that brings his average stock price to 23.1 for the preseason so albert i ask you is brandon miller stock price too high too low or is it just right uh i'm gonna say it's too low but I want to say there's like a caveat to that. Like, I think it's forgivable because I think, you know, coming into the season, people may have some question marks about his game. They want, might want to see him play a little bit on the college level, which I can understand because if you watch some of the teams and the players that he was playing against in high school, you will want to see him play against better competition as well. I thought some of the competition he played against was like pretty terrible in high school so i can understand that but for me 23 feels way too low or i shouldn't say way too low but i think currently i haven't checked i'm kind of going off the dome right now core but i think i have him in my top 10 um as of now uh so 23 definitely would be too low for me but once again i think it's understandable and i can see different outlets wanting to see him play at a higher level first before pushing him up their boards yeah, I mean, I I think it's way too low personally. I I have him at five on my personal board going into the preseason. Well, hello, um, I, you know, I think the the price of twenty three is partly due to the fact that the athletic didn't have him ranked, and that really drags down the overall uh, preseason stock price. You know, looking around otherwise, he probably would have been around uh, borderline lottery. And I think when you take into account the age, I think maybe that's one of the reasons that his stock price is, you know, maybe not as high as it otherwise would have been if he was say 18 years old, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, all right, so he's a year older maybe than um, we'd like him to be like, right. maybe, maybe a little bit overreaction. I know that he has been getting a ton of praise in the preseason from his coach, Nate Oates, who said he's the most talented player. He's, I think ever coached, which, yeah. you know, maybe that's a future recruiting tool, but uh, I think that's hefty praise to put on the incoming freshman. And I, I honestly think it's warranted, you know, when we list his measurables, I mean, the six, nine, I think he's, he's got a good frame. So while he's listed at 200, I think he's going to fill out really nicely and Easily. he looks really long. So I think he's going to have a, a, a pretty decent plus wingspan eventually whenever that gets, gets measured. So I'm buying in early on him because I think that, you know, as we'll get into, I think he's a guy who really fits what the uh, not even the future of the league looks like. I think as we've seen, I think it's the current landscape of the league. I think I think he's a guy that fits that really well. And and we're going to get into why by breaking down his game um, right now. So, Albert, where do you want to start on offense for for Brandon Miller? Let's start with the usual. I think that's fine because it's something worth talking about for him because I, I don't know, Corey, we haven't talked much about him before recording, but I think uh, his shooting is going to be something that you're going to want to talk about a lot. Yeah. So um, why don't you give me your impression on Brandon Miller as a, as a shooter to, to kick it off? I think he's a really interesting shooter. Um, and I, and I chose my words wisely, Corey, because um, I, so I say interesting. I think he's a very good shooter, a very good shooter. Uh, I think it was just a little, not alarming. Alarming is not the word I want to use. I think it was kind of jarring, kind of surprising to like when I first turned on the tape and started watching him shoot. It wasn't what I was expecting at first. 
um i saw a lot of set shots from three essentially you know not not that they were set shots but it wasn't really jumping too high off the ground or anything like that and that's fine which is totally fine we have plenty of great shooters in the nba that don't jump a mile in the air you know we still have steph curry and trey young and a lot of these guys dame lillard who don't necessarily go full jump into their jump shots and get a ton of elevation which is okay which is okay just i wasn't expecting that from him uh but overall the jump shot looks good from the mid-range liked it a lot from three i think a little fine tuning will help now that he is a why well, I think numbers wise, Corey, I'm kind of going off the top of my head here, but I thought numbers wise, his shooting from outside was pretty low, right? In in high school, I may be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what I saw. Um, but overall, I, I think he's a really good shooter. It looks smooth. Um, he's not shy about. I mean, as you mentioned, he put up what 26.3 points per game in high school. Um, seven pretty much eight rebounds really nice stats right but the shooting itself looked really really good to me and uh i'm excited to see more yeah i think um early on i think you're right he doesn't really get much elevation on his jumper and i also think um his release point is like just slightly lower than right i would really like it to be um so it in some ways, it kind of reminds me of, you know, our initial conversations about Tyrese Maxey, where mm. I think he's got this really excellent base to work off of as a shooter, but he needs a few slight tweaks to where he needs to shoot it a little bit more up instead of out. I, I don't think it's as much as I think Maxey did in college, where he was kind of shooting out instead of up, and he's, you know, obviously worked on that and and knocked that out of the park when he got to the NBA. Now he's an excellent shooter as I think we both projected him to be. So I I kind of have the same feeling with Brandon Miller. Now as as a three point shooter, I think, um, you know, you saw him shoot some off the bounce three point shots in high school. I I think, you know, in his like main high school team, um, Cane Ridge with Cane Ridge, I think, you know, maybe you saw him, a little bit more comfortable in that regard, because as you mentioned, the talent level wasn't like as high, but he did play uh, for Brad Bill elite with Nick Smith on his AAU team where he was, you know, I think playing, you know, a a lot more highly touted recruits. Um, And I think that while he would definitely shoot it off the bounce from three, I don't think the volume was quite the same as it was. Uh, I think better defenders and whatnot. So I think early on as a shooter, I think he's mostly going to be a guy who is not really busting out like off the bounce combo moves, maybe yes. coming into like one or two dribble pull-ups from three, but mostly I think you're going to see him use as kind of like a pick and pop threat early on, uh, which I, I think will really play to his strengths as it's going to allow him to, you know, uh, attack closeouts when guys hard close and, you know, he, where he's able to be uh, a little bit more comfortable in that in between and getting to the hoop using his length and some of that athleticism and, you know, the passing chops, which I think we'll, we'll touch on later where, you know, I, I think his shot is strong enough that you cannot just let him shoot and leave him open. You have to close out on him and that's going to open up the other parts of his game. So I, I think I wouldn't expect him to have this crazy off the bounce game from behind the three point line early on, um, maybe next season or even early on in his NBA career eventually, but I do think it's going to get there. And, you know, I say that because when we talk about him, I think as a mid range shooter and creator, this is where I get very excited. And, um, you know, we love these three level scorers. And I think that it's easier to extend your range out to the three point line when you're comfortable in the mid range. Um, than it is when you're really only shooting threes and you have to learn to play in that in-between area. So I, I think that it's, that transition to the three point line is going to be 
fairly easy for him um, throughout his career and a, a seamless transition, especially because I just think functionally his shot looks, you know, very pretty and he's good follow through, good base, good balance, consistent. But when we get to that mid-range area, you really see some of these creation flashes. And he was doing some stuff that really got my brain going and we'll touch on, you know, the the player comps towards the end of the show. But he was doing some stuff where, you know, he's getting into, you know, uh, a few combo moves, spinning, hitting little like step backs from the mid-range off of combo moves, just kind of shooting, um, fading away. He doesn't have to be just like set in balance. He could hit tough shots. I was really, really into his tough shot making in the mid range and at his size, six, nine, maybe he's going to be six ten at some point, you know, like with his length, his ability to hit tough shots from that area. I, I mean, that is a big time, big time skill. And when I saw that watching a lot of these EYBL games, I was like, Whoa, why is draft Twitter not, talking about this dude more often because he has some shit to him when he's got the ball in his hands in that area as a creator i one million trillion percent agree with you um later on we're going to get into our nba comps but i chose a couple of guys who i have a good one that i think you're going to like because i went old school okay cool i i would be really happy if we chose the same guy um, but anyway, um, no, I'm, I'm with you, Corey. His in-between stuff is really great. Something that you mentioned, Corey, his one dribble, two dribble stuff, combo moves are there. I really enjoyed the fact, and, and I may be wrong. I'm pretty sure I saw this correctly, though. Corey, I like the fact that he could sh- shoot over either shoulder, uh, mm, which yeah, I, is, sure. is not easy to do. And watching him do that in the mid-range, fading either way over either shoulder, I was like, God damn, that is some really tough shooting. And that is not easy to do. And so um, just watching that, I was really, really impressed. Um, I know you mentioned the handle, Corey. I thought the handle was good enough. Um, I, I I definitely don't think, I mean, recently we talked about Jairus Walker and, you know, you went on a whole spiel about him, you know, having the shake and all that stuff, which, you know, obviously Jairus Walker is going to explode with that. But Brandon, I felt like Brandon Miller's um, handle was not as good, but still very effective. And if we consider the fact that he is the size that he is with the length that he has, he's going to be really dangerous um, as a scorer in that mid-range area. And then if he continues to work on the on extending his range out to three, even more exciting. But I, I just couldn't agree with you more, man. Just the, 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 the package of different things that he can do in the mid range and the level of difficulty of the shots that he was hitting against whoever, you know, I, I, I mentioned once again, cause like I was watching him play against like Laverne and like some, I think it was like Fairfax or I don't remember the name of the school, but a bunch of these schools, like the tallest players on some of these teams are like six, five. And I was just like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not, Get, I'm not being shown a lot here, but still, like even in those games, he's trying different things, and I respect that. And also, Corey, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like his high school teammates really were bad at getting him the ball, uh, not just getting him the ball in in general, but also in good spots. And so he he was really asked to do a lot of different different things that were really really difficult. And I'm glad he tried them and did them because the outcome was pretty damn good. But uh, just going back to your original point, the mid range stuff is pretty awesome with him. Well, I, I kind of back to your point. I think that's why I've tended to lean more towards his EYBL tape than the yeah. high school stuff. I think in high school, he very much so played like the five. Oh, yeah. You know, and obviously that's something very common for people that are like six, 
you know, six, five or above when you get right. to the high school level, a lot of times that's big enough to, to be a center where you're, you're going to be the biggest player on the floor a lot of times. So at six, nine, you know, he was bound to kind of play that big man spot. But what's interesting is on the AAU level, he also kind of played a lot of five, which mm-hmm. I don't think is going to be a role that he plays at the next level, even in college. But I do think when we get to some of the defensive stuff, like it helps him kind of um, from an IQ perspective, kind of knowing where to be in different roles when you get on to different switches and different schemes and whatnot. But uh, I, I think that, you know, with the self-creation, the handle, I I don't think it like I, it could get loose sometimes, but I like how he moves. I think it's really fluid. And he could do things with the ball in his hands as a creator that are really encouraging. Like I said, he's really comfortable busting out combo moves. And again, we we have to realize when we're doing these preseason episodes that these are high school kids. So, you know, one of the things, you know, for myself who I have, you know, coached at the high school level for almost 10 years, it's crazy the developmental arc for some of these players because when it's literally the type of thing where, they'll like flash some stuff, but then one day they'll just come in and it will just be a hundred times better. Like that's kind of how the development works sometimes. Like it's obviously a gradual thing that they put in work, but you know, when you finally see it back in game action, you're just like, Oh my God, that is way better than it was the last time I saw him in game action. So I think with the flashes that he's had, some of the stuff that's coming out of the Alabama camp, um, about him and how he's kind of like dominated as a scorer already in some of these like exhibitions and whatnot. Like, I think that the handle is going to be there next year. And I, and I hope that when we get to the actual games, you know, he's getting the the freedom to create that. It seems like, you know, he's being talked about and built um, as a, uh, as a scorer, as a creator and whatnot. Cause I, I really think the self-creation is there. And then, you know, I, I think he leverages that to get to the rim um, and he's got the length and the size to kind of finish, you know, over guys. I, I think one of the things I, I kind of want him to seek a little bit more contact and, and go up a little bit stronger, but, uh, you know, there are times I think, you know, he does, he'll try to put you on a poster and, you know, he's not like the bounciest prospect in the world. So, you know, he's not Jairus Walker. He's not Cam Whitmore. He isn't Amen Thompson as far as a leaping ability. But again, he's got the frame and the size and the length to where he doesn't have to be to be effective. But I do want him. I want to see like as his body fills out, he gets stronger. Him being really aggressive um, down low, whether he's just kind of like on the block, operating out of the mid post, facing you up, whatever it is, going to the hoop. That's kind of the one area for his scoring package that it's not that I think that he hasn't showed flashes of, but I think that there's real potential for him to like take his game to the next level by really making a concerted effort to leverage that mid range stuff to really become a, a more adequate, uh, not, not even finisher. Cause I think he's got pretty good touch and whatnot, but like more aggressive mm. driver and attacker of the rim. Corey, I, I love everything that you said. Something that I wanted to point out while watching him play. He reminded me of the guy in Corey. You've coached high school basketball for, as you mentioned, close to a decade now. Almost every year, all the time, you're going to get this one kid either on your team or just let's say you're at open runs, you're at in, in, in a gym. You're going to get that one kid who's so fluid and so smooth. And he has this kind of bravado 
this arrogance to them where even in like layup lines or like warming up, they're try- they're, they're still walking around in slides and their elite socks and they don't really care. They're just kind of hoisting shots up there. They go to the, they go for a layup and they'll do this thing where they don't really even jump. They just kind of spin it off the backboard or whatever. And then, <laughs> you know, they're scoffing at everybody else's misses. That's who Brandon Miller kind of reminds me of. Um, I'm actually planning on writing about him pretty soon. And one of the things that I thought of with Brandon Miller in terms of his like persona and the air in which like like the way that he the, the aura in which he carries himself around the court feels very much almost like an anti-hero like a guy who's like always kind of like you know he's very confident in himself and he's kind of evil and villainous in certain ways but ultimately is a guy that you want to root for and that's kind of how I view Brandon Miller like you watch the high school stuff you watch the Brad Beal stuff whether he's playing why not or whoever he was playing he, there's just this confidence that he carries himself with and it looks like he's just scoffing at everybody and feels like none of the people that he's playing against deserve to be on the court with him and I don't say that as like a, like an indictment against his character or anything like that I love that you mentioned before Corey that there's some shit to him and I think that's exactly what you're talking about with Brandon Miller he has that mentality where it's like oh I'm on the court I'm the best player here. I just heard Charles Barkley on the Bill Simmons pod talking about like being the alpha male, being the best player on the court. And it's not necessarily by what you say, but what you do and how you play. And I think in a lot of ways, Brandon Miller is going to be the embodiment of that at Alabama and on the college basketball floor where people are going to feel him. And he's just, and as you mentioned, Corey, so smooth so fluid and so confident in his game that it, it's going to be really interesting to watch how he, he 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 kind of fleshes out the rest of his game and you mentioned one more once again Corey, the frame on this kid is great like i know obviously he's a, a little bit on the thinner side right now but you look at his upper body and you look yeah. at his shoulders there is so much broad weight shoulders. exactly he's like like i heard recently that kate is up to like 225 230 i could see brandon miller i don't think he needs to get to 225 230 but but if he wanted to, he easily could because he has that frame. And so there's a lot of things to be in, like interested and excited about the kid. But for me, it's the mentality and the fluidity that he plays with that is so intriguing, I think. Yeah, it, I mean, he's so, so smooth and he's got a ton of skills. And I think, you know, aesthetically, it's just so fun to watch. He Like he's like the the forward that like I get really excited about watching that you know, Paul George type persona type movement patterns that, that are really exciting. Um, what did you think about him as a passer? So this was my biggest question that I had written down for you, Corey, because what I wrote here exactly is um, my opinion of his passing depended on who he played against. So for me, watching him play in high school, I thought he didn't flash enough of it. In my opinion, I thought there were a lot of our opportunities where it was so it was a mix of things. I, I just want to reiterate, Corey, there are a lot of times that I thought that his teammates, this kid number 10 on his team was really hard to watch, reminded me a lot of Severe Wheeler, just wanted to do stuff on his own and refused to pass to his teammates. It was kind of rough, um, but he I, I thought there were opportunities for him in high school to show off more of the passing while in Bradley Beal, when he played, when he was playing for Brad Beal elite U 17, I thought there were more flashes of the passing. And so where I ultimately landed with him, Corey, as a passer is I think he's a guy who may ultimately average only like three, four assists per game in his career, but 
is capable of having like an eight to nine to 10 assist game sprinkled in here and there because of his vision and the ability to pass. I just don't know if that's going to be like the main MO of his game where he ends up averaging anywhere from six to seven assists per game is kind of where I landed. Yeah. I think like projecting him forward as an NBA player, I I think there are a number of outcomes for him as a passer. Like I, I think team context and the players that he is playing with or really the because I don't necessarily know yet if I look at him and go all right he's probably going to be like the number one option on a team early on in his career right uh so looking at teams maybe at the top of the lottery I mean based on where he is projected to go on the preseason rankings you know we have to kind of think of him as a context all through the 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 league um with every team and if he you know drops more towards where he's projected now he's probably going to be going to teams that are playoff bound right maybe you're you're looking at a uh a chicago bulls uh you know some uh a team in that range who are kind of just like middle of the road middle of the pack type of thing versus but if he goes pretty high now you're looking at like well maybe he's going and teaming up with a jalen green a cade cunningham a lamello ball, something like that. So like you're looking at him as probably going to be like a complimentary right. player, secondary scorer to, you know, the main ball handler creator. So I, I looking and going, well, can he average, you know, is he going to average eight assists a game? No. Right. Like that is a, a very rare, hard thing to do. Right. But do I think eventually can he maybe develop the way that like a DeMar DeRozan has where it's mm. like, he's, he's really developed his game throughout his career and become a, a good playmaker to where now he's like a five, six right. assist a game guy and almost serves as a, a, you know, primary ball handler, especially like, you know, when it's winning, winning time in the clutch. Right. So I think that could be an outcome for him because I think in those EYBL games, he, flash some really intriguing passing chops right you know i don't think he's like the same level of passer from like that big wing position that jarris walker was when we watched his tape Mm -hmm. but i do think he flashed some really nice stuff and you know it's more than him like initiating pick and roll and hitting the roller there were like nuances that really impressed me where like it was the pace of when he actually would hit the roller right like so you know if he would just wait that extra split second draw the defense, maybe fool a weak side defender with his eyes and then hit the roller, you know, like, so I I think that for me, like, um, he's probably going to serve as like that second side initiator where the ball gets Mm -hmm. swung to him. Maybe he's making a quick decision, collapsing the defense. And I think he's got the vision to kind of like make that weak side kick. Maybe he, you know, the ball quickly swings, they get into an action. He comes off a DHO. I think he's gonna be able to hit the roller. I think he's going to have all that in that bet in his bag. I don't think he's going to be the guy that is initiating your sets, but um, I'm excited to see what he looks like at Alabama because we watched Herb Jones Yes. Shout out to Tyler Metcalf, uh, you know, kind of be the initiator for for that Alabama team a couple of years ago. And then Nate Oates kind of compared him to Herb Jones in a lot of ways. So I think he's going to get some opportunity to, to run some offense and be a playmaker in this offense. And I, I think if that happens, that's going to really start to intrigue teams because we see the infatuation with these big wing creators in the league, right? Like that was the infatuation last year with a guy like Usman Jang, who ended up going in the lottery. Uh, Jalen Williams, shout out friend of the program, you know, kind of like a big uh, wing wingy initiator too. So I think that Brandon Miller fits very much so in that mold. And, you know, Usman Jang on that team, he's not going to be the primary mm-hmm 
ball handler initiator, right? Like they have SGA, they have Trey Mann, they have Josh Giddy, they have Jalen. And, but he is going to have opportunities when he does get the ball in his hands where you're going to see those playmaking flashes. So even if he isn't like this high assist guy, it's like his playmaking is going to translate in the, from the perspective of he's going to be able to make the right play. And right. that's what gets me really excited about Brandon Miller as a passer. No, dude, hundred percent. I mean, you mentioned DeMar DeRozan, you mentioned Uthman Jang, one of the guys that I have written down because we're doing like prospect chemistry stuff in our brains or whatever. One of the guys that I have written down was Chris Middleton. Look at the, how important Chris Middleton was for that Bucks team as they marched to a world championship. The stuff that he was doing running the pick and roll at his size with his length and his IQ reminded me a lot of what I think Brandon Miller could end up becoming, where Chris Middleton is not an 8, 9, 10 assists per game guy, but a guy that you can very easily run pick and roll through, who can make decisions for you. Corey, you literally took the words out of my, my mouth when you mentioned the timing stuff, because I remember watching the EYBL stuff there'd be times where he's at the high post and he's just scanning the floor and making absolute inch perfect passes into the interior to find a man cutting or to a big or like you mentioned on the weak side hitting somebody for a corner three a lot of the stuff that he was doing was very um it was very thought out and he was he was letting the play develop and then hitting his man at the perfect time with great accuracy and timing once again. So I'm with you, man. I, I think once again that, that there is an opportunity for him to be a high level passer that can at times initiate your offense. And something that we meant that Corey, you mentioned that as he was playing a lot of five in high school, he brought the ball up a ton as well. And he was asked to do that and given the freedom to do that and did a great job of that as well, where it's not as simply as him bringing the ball ball up and then you know passing it off to a guard or doing pistol action or whatever but he would bring the ball up and make decisions at times too and that was really intriguing and exciting to watch absolutely um what did you think of his ability like when he didn't have the ball in his hands to be effective um you know as kind of like a cutter off ball mover type of guy when he's not involved in the play in my opinion um i didn't see enough of it um, so it, it's not necessarily a critique. Once again, I keep going back to situation as well, but even in the situations where in high school, where I thought he was getting, it wasn't that he was getting iced out by his teammates, but maybe they didn't have the vision or the wherewithal to get him the ball. But they, in t- at times, Corey, I thought he looked great moving off the ball and relocating, you know, finding himself in different areas of the court and, you know, creating opportunities for himself. But other times I did catch him ball watching a little bit as well, which I didn't love, but once again, as you mentioned, Corey, he's in high school. Uh, it might have been, you know, the fact that that was where he was at in terms of his development. But overall, I would like to see more. And I'm hoping to see more because I was watching some of the tape of um, Alabama preseason scrimmaging. Right. And there were a lot of possessions where he was moving around, getting open, you know, finding himself in the corner, setting, you know, going over screens, um, trying to get himself open. Right. Cutting without the ball. It looked good. So maybe that is more of what it's going to look like rather than what I saw in high school. And if that's a fact, if that's what it's going to be, then yeah, I think he's good off ball. Yeah. I, I want to see more as well. I, I you know, right now, I, I think in high school, it's really easy to get comfortable, not really putting any pressure on the defense on the weak side. It's funny. I was, I was at the uh, overtime elite pro day this week and Ryan Gomes, former Boston Celtics, is the coach of one of the OTE teams, the Cold Hearts. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him for a little bit and just talking about like what he's doing with his guys and, and the coaching because I think he's doing a great job with 
especially teaching defense and having these guys be in the right spots. He's so animated um, and so into it. And he was like telling me like, you know, I've just seen so much in the NBA that I can call stuff out to guys. Like I may have never seen a kid play on the opposing team, but I could tell what they're about to do. Right. Just from recognizing the patterns from all of the different things that I've seen in the NBA. Um, And one of the things that he emphasized that he's trying to teach to his team, which are, you know, made up of a majority of like high school aged kids like Bryson Tiller, who's, you know, number five ranked prospect and draft eligible in 2026. And it's just an absolute freak player that I can't wait to, you know, watch over the coming years. But one of the things he was emphasizing Ryan Gomes was he's trying to get these kids to realize, like, even when you're off ball, like you have to make the defense believe that you are a threat in some way. So whether that's setting a screen or, you know, like you can't just stay stagnant all the time sometimes sets call for that right you want to be the floor spacer but you know you have to be ready to you know bang out some hammer action on the weak side and that's how you open up and get that open corner look off a driving kick you have to be willing to you know curl and switch things up and just do little things off movement that really keep that pressure and you know he was saying like you know for with these high talented recruits a lot of times they're just bigger and more athletic than guys. And they don't really have to worry about thinking the nuance when they don't have the ball in their hands, like they're going to at the next level, because that half a second, that split second difference that is going to matter each time you bump up a level from high school to college, college to the pros, like that's going to matter. And you're going to need every advantage that you could possibly get. So I'm going to be interested to see how that develops um, for Brandon Miller at Alabama when I think that, you know, he's going to be in probably some more sophisticated offenses, some more offenses that are a little bit more structured than some of the up and down style that you can get in high school in AAU. So um, I want to see more because I think that he certainly has the potential to really get some buckets off that. With that said, I do think that he did some interesting stuff as an off ball, like um, mover to get himself open for mid range shots where he can kind of shoot off the catch off of movement. And and that's where we go back to like him hitting those kind of like tough fall away shots going to both over both shoulders. So it's, it's not that there's nothing there, but I think that it's going to be one of the areas that I'm really interested in watching develop this upcoming season for him um, at Alabama in a, you know, a really tough conference, which is going to be exciting. Um, all right, let's uh, let's hit the defense. Okay, so uh, let's start with his man-to-man on-ball stuff. Talk to me about what your first impressions um, of Brandon Miller were as a defender. Hmm. Okay, so let me let me just get to my notes here. Mm. For me, Corey, I, I think overall with him as the defender, I thought, I thought. He showed good effort. Um, I don't think he has the fastest feet in the world. Um, but in spite of him not having the fastest feet in the world, there were a lot of possessions where I felt like he was fighting to keep his feet active and agile and fighting to stay in front of people. Um, I thought in some of the pick and roll stuff, as you, as we've talked about already, he was guarding the big on a lot of this stuff and he'd be blitzing and using his length and trying to get his feet and trying to use his size to intimidate ball handlers into mistakes and throwing the ball in the wrong place and whatever. And I like that stuff, right? Um, I just feel like for us to give a more comprehensive answer on him as a defender, 
like you just mentioned with the off ball stuff, I think I need to see him play in a, at a better, sorry, at a higher level uh, in terms of playing on the college level, because as much as I want to get, because look, as a rim defender, I was really, really impressed because he at six, nine, as you mentioned, Corey was asked to play center and he was going up and just sending some stuff with great, great timing using his length length, uh, as we've mentioned, he isn't the greatest vertical athlete, and yet still he was really good at timing things and using his length to block shots and to disrupt and change shots. It's just that overall when it comes to his on-ball defense and even coming out to the perimeter, because he did a lot of that too, coming out to the perimeter to guard guards and wings or whatever, um, I'd like to see a little bit more at a higher level for me to give a more... I guess, final answer in terms of how I feel. But as of now, Corey, I was encouraged because I thought effort was there. I liked how he used his length. I liked the timing. I love the rim, rim protection, stuff like that. So I'm higher on him defensively than I thought I would be. But still, I want to see more before I give a final verdict. I think he has so much potential on this end. Yeah, yeah. Where he could be like a big time big time defensive prospect mm -hmm. in the NBA. Um, like you mentioned, just quickly, like going to the rim protection, I thought he showed some really good flashes there as well. And, and that's, I think he's going to help him because, you know, he was a lot of times just in position to kind of protect the rim and being the biggest guy on the floor and timing those jumps. He had one specific block um, on Kane Ridge, which I believe was in like, maybe it was a championship game or something um, where it looked like he got to like the top of the square. The the two handed one? Uh, no, it was a it was a one handed. It, it was like he got his fingertip on it, but like, okay. but he got like so vertical and so high mm -hmm. that I was like, oh wow, like <laughs> that is that's some serious stuff. Uh, but some of the stuff even on the the EYBL tape, mm -hmm. like really good instincts. Um, and while I don't think he's gonna have like insane shot blocking numbers I, I think for a guy like him you just want him to be able to recognize when guys are going to be driving into the hoop and like can he come over and intimidate shots and just kind of make it harder on these really tough guards that he's going to be playing in conference um he's going to just make their life hard so as a, a like a rotator i think he's going to be able to make quick decisions and his time kind of serving as like a bigger defender in high school is really going to help him out in that aspect and obviously that switchability is something that is really valuable in the nba um so obviously he's not going to be like playing five in college the nba you don't want him on Jokic and Embiid all the time but just the um ability to if another team goes small match it and him having that I, I think is is really impressive I, I think on the ball yeah definitely like a lot of high school kids um there were times where you were like, all right, that, like he's got to clean up, you know, maybe the angle that he takes as uh, a defender when he's on ball. But then there were these moments that he'd have where he was like, all right, I'm clamping this guy up. Like I'm not playing with my food right now. And uh, there was a game, I believe it was against the scholars um, where he was like blitzing the guards out of ball screens and, and kind of switching out onto them. And then just sending them like sideline and, and closing off the baseline. And I was like, Oh my God, like he is like, he's making guys pick up their dribble. Uh, and it's like, you know, obviously not things that you're going to be able to count as a defensive stat, but it was, it's something that you're like, that's like a big time skill right. like for a guy who's that big to move with these quick shifty New Jersey guards 
and to really be able to just stick with them like glue and shadow them and get up into their shirt and be aggressive on the ball like that. And I think that's where maybe Nate Oates is seeing a little bit again of that Herb Jones and his ability to be able to, to kind of impact the game defensively on the ball like that, because when he wants to, he could clamp you up. And I think that the fact that he moves with quick guards like that, it's like, he's going to be able to move with wings just fine. Like he's good. Like that's going to be easy for him. Right. And then, the contesting ability because of his length, because of the, his ability to like, we talked about how smooth he is as a mover offensively, but he could, you know, flip his stance and switch his hips and, and get low and move. Like he's smooth, man, on both sides of the court. And I really, really, really am intrigued to see him this year because yeah, there's going to be some growing pains just schematically playing against more advanced offenses as a defender. Um, seeing things he's never seen consistently that you're going to look at and be like, okay, we need to fix that up a little bit, but you also have to recognize all of the positive flashes. And I think they're going to be way more positive flashes than kind of negative ones that you can nitpick at. Cause we're going to be able to nitpick every single prospect, even a guy like Victor Wimbanyama, we have been able to nitpick. So certainly the rest of the bunch, we're going to be able to nitpick, but I think he's going to have some really, really, really intriguing defensive flashes. And, and that's, you know, when we get to the comps, some of the comps that I'm I'm going to give out are these two-way wings that I really think he has that potential. And, like, what he's shown as a talent um, at the high school level. And, again, like, I think he's been very underrated throughout this process. Maybe it's because of his age, and I think that's, that stuff doesn't matter to me as much. Um, I'm just intrigued, man. He's a guy I'm really, really intrigued by. No, for sure. And also, as you mentioned, Cor, we're so early in the draft cycle right now that his draft standing may be as low as it is because maybe this is the as low as it gets. You know, yeah. as people pay more attention, as and as our pod goes out there, and more articles and more you know, info gets out there, and more tape gets out there, I think he will come up a lot. As you mentioned, Corey, the stuff that he was flashing and able to do at the high school level has to get you intrigued. And he was challenged to do a lot of things, like we've mentioned. You know, coming out to the perimeter and guarding faster, shiftier guards is not an easy thing to do because he is six nine. May, might even be who knows, Corey. Maybe by the time he's drafted, he might even be 6'10", 6'11". He looks massive on tape. Like he looks yeah. massive. Like I, th- I would have put him at like six right. ten. So I, I, he's he's definitely got a shot. No, 100%. And he's got the arms to go with him. Like, he's really, really long. And I, I think, Corey, the, the way that you said it is perfect, where a lot of the stuff that he was doing defensively isn't necessarily quantifiable in terms of numbers and stats, but he was a disruptor, is I think the best way to put it, where if they're running a set, him being out there and doing the things that he was doing could totally take that plan and throw it into the trash and have you kind of, you know, trying something different and having to kind of recalibrate on the fly. So I, I think Brandon Miller definitely had those flashes of disruption that get you excited. Um, we just got to see more of it, I think, is where where I'm at. And I, I think obviously you're super high on him, but I would love to see him do all of that on the college level to really cement and solidify what we've seen so far. Yeah, and we are getting close to yeah, actually close. being able, able to see that, which is exciting. All right, um... Let's get into some of these comps. Okay. If you are buying stock in Brandon Miller, who may you have bought stock in previously? Um, and 
actually really quickly, Corey, the last thing that I did want to say, I'm so sorry, kind of jacking things up right now. Maybe I'm the disruptor. But the last thing that I did want to say was I I like that he was willing to board. You know, he averaged eight rebounds a game in high school. And we have to remind ourselves that rebounding is a part of defense as well. And I really enjoyed his willingness to get down there and rebound. Not that he was like some elite rebounder. I'm not going to say that at all, but the, the desire was there. Okay. So now that I'm done with that. So a name that I mentioned before, obviously, was Chris Middleton. Um, I believe that Chris Middleton is I don't want to do the whole underrated, overrated conversation. Chris Middleton is a very good NBA basketball player who was the second best player on a title winning team. And that alone should tell you the quality of player that Chris Middleton is. So I throw Chris Middleton in there first because of his playmaking and the shooting and the mid-range stuff and what Chris Middleton can do with the ball in his hands, running pick and roll and making decisions for you offensively. A couple of the other names that came to mind for me were guys like from a couple of draft cycles ago, Franz Wagner. Um, he reminds me a little bit of him with his size and the handle and the shooting ability. Uh, Danilo Gallinari a little bit from back in the day. Now, Gallinari's knees are pretty shot and he isn't even playing this year for the Celtics. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to do the you know, these comparisons. But I, I wanted to throw Gallo in there. And then my old the guy. The cock is old now. The cock is old, man. The rooster is He's aging now, but the the one old guy I really wanted to throw in there, a 90s comp, who is not, who was not as good of a defender. But if I look at the offensive side of the ball, he reminded me a little bit of Glenn Big Doll Robinson. Okay. Um, and, and, what, and the reason why is because Glenn Robinson was a absolute technician in the mid-range, was kind of a ground-bound athlete, but at the same time was always a good rebounder and a good passer as well, a very underrated passer. Um, I, I was just going through some of his like playoff stuff today, looking back at Glenn Robinson, had a couple games where he had near triple doubles with assists and stuff like that was always good for some steals as well. So Glenn Big Dog Robinson came to mind a little bit in terms of like a 90s comp for me. And, you know, we remember how good he was with those late 90s teams with Ray Allen and Sam Cassell and how successful they were. And then he obviously got traded later on to Atlanta and other spots. But I liked uh, Glenn Robinson as my 90s comp for this one. I'll I'll kick my 90s comp off first. I went with Jamal Mashburn. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Jamal Mashburn, another guy who was like a killer in the mid-range, had that range out to the three-point line. I think he got, you know, another guy who was very developed from a body perspective, very strong. But, uh, you know, he was pretty smooth with it. You know, he can get down, you know, bang, get, get some boards, like you said. So my old guy comp is uh, Jamal Mashburn. I see a, a little bit of of that in him from a you know shot creation perspective. I love it. I love it. Um, a weird comp, and and not so much as a player, but I just thought like kinesthetically how they move on the court. I feel like some of his movement patterns are very like Tyrese Halliburton, which is a, a weird comp to make because they're different players, different positions. Even his body type, he's mm-hmm. almost like a jumbo size Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but that's more just functionally how they move and less about how they play. Right. And then, um, Nick Batum, I had as kind of, you know, all around definitely had years where he was, you know, one of your better scorers, like as a complimentary piece in Portland, you know, he was a, a very important wing who can, um, get buckets and knock down outside shots, 
you know, uh, and then he could play make a little bit. He wasn't going to be your primary ball handler, but he definitely initiated some offense. And then he was a guy that you can, you know, go throw out and tell him, go defend whoever we need you to. So Nick Batum was a guy I thought of. And then like super high end comp, if he reached his absolute ceiling, I see some Paul George, not as bouncy as, as prime Paul George, but I think he's got the same kind of smoothness to his game. Um, so a, a little bit of that. So those were some of the guys that I kind of felt like he, he, reminded me of while watching his tape and if if those are the guys that i'm comping him to i feel pretty good about you know his uh potential as an nba player to thrive no i mean that's great dude and and, you know it's surprising i actually thought you were going to go with brandon ingram um was where Mm. my head was going because i thought that's what you were kind of hinting at but then no, the paul george one is an absolute great outcome if he can become that level of player but you know i had brandon ingram written down as well just because of the size and the scoring ability and the offensive versatility that ingram shows and has now shown and and ultimately Corey, the guys that i put right like a middleton franz wagner danilo gallinari glenn robinson I think ultimately where I see Brandon Miller's ceiling or maybe not ceiling, but where, where, where I think he's going to, his medium median outcome for me is second guy on a title contending team is how I see Brandon Miller. If everything breaks right, in my opinion, which is why I kind of landed on those guys. And specifically, I really like the Franz Wagner one and not to, I like that one too. Pat myself on the back. Thank you. But it's because of the size and look at what Franz is doing in the league right now. He's easily one of my favorite players to watch in in the NBA, but what he can do at that size with the ball in his hands, which Corey, we did a whole pot on Franz Wagner and to see him go up two, three levels from what we expected he was going to be and what we talked about on that pod has been phenomenal. And I think if all goes well with Brandon Miller, he may be able to play that type of role. But Corey, I I think you'll agree with me. I think where he might eventually end up, though, is like second best player on a title contending team. Think about, like like you mentioned, though, like Chris Middleton is the second best player on a title team, title contending team. You would argue that Paul George is the second best player on a title contending team. He also would say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. Would he? (laughs) Yeah, no, recently he uh, said he got quoted saying like, yeah, I'm the number two guy to Kawhi. So, well, that's very, he's very mature and self-aware, but I think if you spoke to like Indiana, Paul George, right. um, Who was going toe to toe, bringing LeBron to, I believe some game seven there in the playoffs. Like uh, you were looking at a legitimate number one option type of guy, but ultimately I think you feel more comfortable with him as that number two kind of guy. Although he had some playoff performance, you know, Mm -hmm. last year. Right. So, it's not a knock on a player to say he's probably a number two on a title team. Right. right. Like it's a, it's a great compliment. Yeah. I mean, it, there are only maybe like seven guys in the league that you could comfortably be like, he could probably be a number one on a title team. And more realistically, that list is probably closer to like four guys. Right. So um, I think that giving him the potential to actually reach that kind of level to be a number two guy is a tremendous compliment because ultimately a lot of these guys who are like, yeah, they have the potential to be a number two guy might actually end up being a number three or four guy. Right. Right. You know, so uh, with so much talent in the league, again, that that's not even necessarily um, talking down on a player, but uh, I'm really excited about his potential because I think he does have that, that potential to be like a multi-time all-star kind of 
kind of talent in the league. And I mean, this draft class in particular is just absolutely loaded with guys that I kind of feel like that. So I think we're headed for uh, an all-time draft in that regard. Clearly. I mean, we're, we're, we're just getting started on this new feed, uh, but we've already covered a lot of the guys and we're in love with a lot of them. I can't wait till we get like really into the thick of things, Corey. And we're talking about, uh, there are just so many players that we're going to cover this year. And it's just going to be so much fun. Um, I'm, I'm amped for it before we sign off for our first episode on the no ceilings feed. It's time for America's favorite segment. It is time, Mm -hmm. Albert, for you to sell me this pen on Brandon Miller. Here we go. Um, So the sell on Brandon Miller is really simple, right? Ultimately, if you're an NBA GM, an NBA front office guy, you're trying to build out a title contending or ultimately you want to build out a championship team. Now, to build out a championship team in the current NBA, uh, some of the there are a lot of keystone words that you want to hit, like a lot of touch points that you want to make sure to hit on your team. And one of the versatility is a huge word, right? A, a huge word that NBA teams and front offices are looking for, whether we're talking about offensive versatility or defensive versatility. Brandon Miller is the rare type of prospect that can offer you versatility on both sides of the court now we're not talking about a specialist here we're not talking about a one-sided player kind of a one-dimensional player we're talking about a guy who both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball will be offering you versatility on the offensive side he's a shooter a guy who can you can put the ball in his hands he can initiate your offense over over the next five, 10, who knows how many years, he may develop into an extremely high-level creator as well with the ball in his hands. Then we talk about defensively, the disruption that he can cause at 6'9", 6'10", maybe even 6'11", by the end of it, right, with his length, right, and his smarts, and the way that he can intimidate people with that length and size and footwork and hips and all that stuff. The name of the game with Brandon Miller is versatility. And most NBA teams are looking for versatility. He offers it to you on both ends of the floor. You should probably grab that player with a top five pick, maybe. Look, man, I've already bought my Brandon Miller stock. Uh, No ceilings, family. Start buying in early because the stock price is low right now. You can get in on the Brandon Miller uh, IPO very, very cheap right now. So buy in. Albert, that is going to do it for a th- our first episode on the No Ceilings feed. Thank you to everybody who has moved over from the Draft Act feed with us. Um, building this show out has been so much fun, and I am so excited about the potential of not only this show, but um, some of the, the rest of the shows on the feed. And, you know, we have a new show on the feed, Home and Away, where we're all going to have a rotating cast. That'll be on Tuesdays. Uh, Draft Deeper on Mondays. We have deep dives on Wednesdays, us on Thursday, and then um, Friday is the No Ceiling Show with the two Tylers. And I will be on that show tomorrow to go over my experience at the Overtime Elite Pro Day, um, which I'm excited to chop it up with uh, Tyler and Tyler about that. So make sure that you are subscribed to this feed. If you're watching live on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel, hit the like button share rate review the podcast feed because we have five shows a daily nba draft podcast feed ever full on episodes um you can't get that anywhere else you know mm-hmm. what i mean you just it's no ceilings is 
the spot for that. Also, I want to give a, a shout out um, and a thank you to Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, who was kind enough to post our preseason draft guide, which we released on Monday. Um, that was really cool of him and unexpected. And uh, so shout out to uh, Kevin O'Cosine on, you know, on, on shouting us out. Big ups to KOC. And, uh, you know, we do have the draft guide, 2023 preseason guide, 30 plus scouting reports, watch list, uh, predictions around the world on international prospects, uh, overtime elite. And uh, it's just a really, really awesome way to get kicked off for this cycle. And we released some new merch, some of the coolest merch I think that we've we've put out so far. So that's available at noceilingsmba.bigcartel.com. Uh, so head there. We got it's it's been a big week. We've had so much stuff released that uh, it's exciting times over at No Ceilings. Albert, tell the people where they could find you around the world wide web uh you could find me at alberto with an e um like the toe on your foot uh alberto gim is where you'll find me on twitter is where you can find me i did want to give a shout out court i don't know if we mentioned it here on our pod but wanted to mention the addition of page auto yes you are no ceilings family who you know what i'm gonna take the credit you know i'm the one who reached out to her like i think that was like six months ago and was like hey you know you you, you like college basketball and nba stuff and you know we might you know we might need someone to join our team here and now we're here and she's a part of the team and that's it's and very she's already, Albert, she's already you, doing big stuff. Sorry. you were a scout um <laughs> in every sense of the word <laughs> That's what we do at No Ceilings. We identify talent. I appreciate that. But um, no, for sure. Like having her on and she's already doing big things for us. And it's all been incredible. She even got to write for our uh, conference preview stuff, which is another thing that you guys should be reading and checking out. We already dropped our ACC preview and I believe our Big Ten preview. So make sure you check all that stuff out. And we're excited to pump out a ton of content. And as Corey mentioned, I think I'm going to be on the Home and Away pod. Um, pretty regularly doing stuff there uh, with a new person that you guys will like listening to. But overall, man, just a lot of fun. And so uh, excited to be here. And once again, shouts to Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O couldn't be nicer. <laughs> uh, Maxwell wrote that one this morning in his tweet. But uh, yeah, it's a great time to be a part of the No Ceilings family. And that includes all of our listeners out there. You guys are a part of our family. And uh, we appreciate you guys rocking with us. Hello. Me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter. Follow the No Ceilings TikTok, No Ceilings NBA. Um, Paige is doing a great job over there with that. Um, so much stuff in store for you guys this year. We're very excited. It's going to be lit. Um, we're getting after it. So we will see you next Thursday. And uh, make sure that you tune in tomorrow for the uh, double T's, Tyler and Tyler. And... Uh, Make sure that you're, you're subscribed to NoCeilingsNBA.com Monday through Friday for free directly into your inbox, guys. Until next time, we out. Peace. Peace.